Welcome to another episode of the E&E Show, where we talk about equipping and enabling Christians to reach unbelievers and make disciples. I'm Bucky Elliott at International Commission, and today we have the distinct privilege of speaking with Alex Brito, who is originally from Brazil and serves as a church planter in London, England. We're going to talk about how uh, he reaches out to internationals in the cosmopolitan city of London, where there is a diaspora of people from all different parts of the world, very diverse city, and all the ministry opportunities that that creates to work together with people from different traditions, different cultural backgrounds, but who all agree on who Jesus is and the priority of the gospel, how he crosses cultural barriers uh, and works together to share the gospel to the ends of the earth through those relationships. Welcome, Alex Brito, to the program. I've met you just one other time on another Zoom call, but with a whole bunch of people before. So um, how did you get involved in ministry? Mm -hmm. What in the world are you doing in London? Wow. And then I'll ask you more specifically about what God is doing there and other parts yeah. of the world as you see it. Well, that's a, that's a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Okay. Um, so I'm from Brazil. Um yeah, I grew up there. I spent my old childhood in Brazil. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, but at the age of 15, I decided to leave the church. I was I was into music. Um, I had my band. I was into heavy metal. I had my band, and I think it was it was a season when I decided to just um, leave the church, and I I lived a wild life, Bucky, a wild life. Um, at the age of twenty one, I came to London as an international student, and I think somehow I was I was far away from the bad influences that I had around me. I was I had a lot of time in my hand. My mom sent me the copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. I read it. Um, and the gospel made sense in a way that it hadn't made sense before. Read it again. And then I began reading the Bible over and over again and sharing the gospel with whoever was in contact with me. <laughs> I was full of the gospel and I couldn't keep that for myself. I was just sharing it with everybody. Um after a year, I had a group of 15 people reading the Bible with me on a weekly basis. So it became something more than just sharing the gospel. It became a kind of proper discipleship, um, kind of fellowship. And I, I knew what that was. I, I've got a, an uncle who is a pastor. He was involved in church planting as well. Um, I knew that was a church. So I keep telling people that I became a church planter by accident. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I... I decided to come to London to plant a church. No, I came to London from God and God. I mean, my accident, God is sovereign. He knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, so, yeah, it, that's how I, I got involved in ministry. That's how I became what I call now, some, I mean, yeah, a church planter. But this church was a kind of a monocultural church. It was a Portuguese-speaking church. And after two years, Bucky, um, I, I was feeling very uncomfortable because I, my English improved. I began engaging with people from different backgrounds and I was struggling with, um, with the discipleship process. I was still sharing the gospel with everybody but if you couldn't speak in uh, Portuguese, I had to send you to a different church. And that was that was making me feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. To make things more complicated, um, my wife and I, we, we, we had a good relationship with this Hungarian lady who said, no, I'm not looking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to join um, another church. I don't mind joining this Portuguese-speaking church. <laughs> so she got baptized, this Hungarian lady, she got baptized in this Portuguese-speaking church. 
And then we had to do interpretation. We had to yeah, interpret the service from Portuguese to English. And yeah, things inside of me got worse than before. So one day I sat down with the leadership of the church and I said, I think it's time to change. I think it's it will be will it will be much better if we could be an English speaking church. We are in London. Come on, that's the <laughs> that's the language everyone speaks. And if you don't speak, it will be good for you to start learning yeah, yeah. because it will make your life much easier. Uh, for two reasons, not only for the sake of helping you to get a better job or to communicate at your kids' school, but it, it's a mission opportunity. I mean, yeah. if, if, the, if the nations are here, they always speak English. Well, if you learn the language, you can be a missionary here. Um, but for my surprise, the church was not keen to change. We were growing fast. And monocultural churches, they tend to go faster anyway. Um, so yeah, they, they said, it's working, we are growing, why are we going to change? I'm driven by passion and conviction, so during that time I decided to step down. Um, yeah, and after a year, my wife and I, yeah, we couldn't see the reason, and we couldn't see a reason to stay here in London, so we moved back in 2009 to Brazil got involved in another church planting kind of project, but I couldn't forget London. <laughs> I really wanted to see that dream of a, an intercultural church, um, a missionary church in London um, taking place, becoming a reality. So to tell a long story short, in 2015, um, we moved back to London to plant this intercultural church. <laughs> Um, that we did not see becoming a reality in the past. Um, and in 2018, we launched publicly with only two families. An immigrant, Brazilian, planting a church from scratch in central London, brother. <laughs> People would look at us and think, this is not going to work. <laughs> and you want to plant an intercultural church, not even a kind of diaspora, monocultural church. Oh, you're making things more difficult for you. Um, but I love a challenge. And not only for, only for the sake of, um, of the challenge, but just because I really think it's, it's biblical. It's biblical. Yeah. If, if London, I mean, there are more than 300 languages being spoken right now in London. The nations are here. 40% of the population of London, they are migrants. I mean, they are people born outside the UK. We don't have the numbers for the second generation. People like my kids, we have no idea. And they are not British. They are also not yeah, Nigerian or... Yeah. Yeah, they, they've got these multiple identities, if, if, if I can put and like that, that. That's really, I mean, that's 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 the just the younger generation globally. There's a global youth culture that they kind of have their own multicultural culture. Even those who've never traveled outside of their home country, something that, you know, that that really is kind of foreign to us that we can take advantage of. That's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. And this is an opportunity. I don't. I don't. I mean, a lot of people they see that. Oh, it's a challenge. Um, these second generation and third generation they face this identity crisis. Well, only if they are not believers. If they are Christians, wow. they have their identity in Christ. Therefore, these different cultural mindsets makes them the best missionaries ever. <laughs> Yeah. So here in London, we are we 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 are facing one of the best seasons. I keep telling that, okay, to everyone I meet is London is so intercultural, so diverse that if we if we look at it um, from the perspective of church history, it's a unique moment we are facing right now because Paul did not have the internet. Paul yeah. could not travel around as we can travel right now. Man, it's so, I mean, right now, you see, we are on different parts of the globe and we are communicating. Instantly, yeah. If 
face to face. If Paul was here, man, if Paul was here, that guy would be all over the place. You but mean not no more shipwrecks, no more snakes and poison in jail. Well, probably still the jail, but maybe no, less not shipwrecks. Really. Not really if you're in London. This is the well, thing. Not in so, London, no, not in London. Not yeah, in London. Have... No persecution. You can be a global missionary because you can travel, you get an airplane. I mean, in Europe, I can be in, in, in Germany, your home, your home country, in one hour. You want yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and the internet, you can communicate the gospel in different ways using different medias. No persecution. So it's one of the best seasons. And I, I keep meeting missionaries and Christians and say, let's make the most of it while we can, because yeah. one day we're gonna give an account. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes we have these conversations of we, we say to one another, oh, when I meet Paul, I'm going to ask him a lot of questions. Well, I think he's going to ask us a lot of questions. <laughs> what did you do with the opportunity you had? That's a really good word. Uh, amazing message. But it's I mean, it's re a really simple thing, yeah. isn't it? If we look at the life of the church in the New Testament, uh, and then we, you know, compare it to our world. We we really have the same opportunities, but even more now, yeah. um, to reach beyond our Jerusalem, our our own city, um, and even there, even in our own city, like you're talking about, even there in London or me, I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. The world is coming here, just like you said. The yeah. world is coming here. I have so many missional opportunities, evangelistic cross-cultural opportunities to reach completely unreached people with with the good news of christ who who yeah. have never heard it yeah and they're here mm -hmm. and uh now you know albeit they are here in kind of a an increasingly post-christian america and not only have they not heard the gospel and i have access to them if i just do it and obey the mm -hmm. lord but That's they right. have other family members who might be in their home country and yeah. who else can reach them but them. So that's an exciting <laughs> thing. I want to hear how can you how can you uh, reach the world? How can you how can you gain access even to unreached people where you are and unreached yeah. people in other parts of the world right from London? Yeah. Um because London has been a very diverse place for a long time, people are used to this, okay? So, yeah, they, and if you live in London, there are 9 million people living in London right now. If you chose to be here, you like it. Otherwise, you would move <laughs> out of London. Yeah, if you don't like diversity, you move out of London because it's, it's so at your face all the time. If I open the door now, I'm telling you, I might bump into people from, I, I mean, on my street, I, I, I don't even know how many different kinds of nationalities and back, cultural backgrounds we've got here. It's, it's one of those things we stop doing because it's just part of, <laughs> of the culture here. It, it, it's, it's very multicultural, but it's not intercultural, okay? okay what yeah. do I mean by that? You've got all these different cultures segregated in their own kind of bubble, okay? Um, but they live really well, okay? So going back to, to your question, it's just, I mean, yeah, I think it's finding ways to build the bridge between different cultures. Um, I love I love John 4, the passage that go, Jesus goes to this Samaritan village. And I, if you read that passage, you're going to see that in verse 4, it says that Jesus had to go to that place. It yeah. was not an accident. Okay. And it, it was not that he he, 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 did, he lost his map. He, he knew what he was doing. He was going on purpose. He, yeah. He, he was traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee. Crossing through Samaria, okay. yeah. as a Jew, as a Jew, you're not meant to do that. He did it because he had to do it. Every single time 
the uh, John, um, the, 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 the writer of the Gospel of John, uses the verb have to. He's referring to the will of God. It was God's plan. So I keep telling people, do you want to engage with people who don't look like you? Go to places you wouldn't go. Yeah. <laughs> go or maybe you feel like you're not these... even supposed to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, people people are gonna call you crazy. They're gonna they're gonna stare at you like, what is he doing here? He doesn't look like us. Do it. Jesus did, so do it as well. <laughs> well, it's a good way to, you know, to kind of not that we're seeking attention, but it's a good way to open doors. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is directional. Yeah. Someone's going to ask you, well, what are you doing here? Well, there's already an opportunity here. built in. It's automatic, right? Yeah. So cross, cross the, it's what I call the territorial barrier. Okay. These barriers are everywhere. Multiple cultures. No one is crossing those boundaries. There are obstacles. Cross it. Cross the territorial barrier. But you don't stop there. So Jesus, he, he goes to the Samaritan village. He sits down, he sees a woman, okay, a Samaritan woman. He was not meant to engage in conversation with her. What does he do? He starts a conversation with her. Very informal. Let's we, we're gonna have an informal conversation. What is the subject? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she then she then reminds him, well, I'm a woman and a Samaritan woman. In other words, we are not, you're not meant to be here. We are not meant to have this conversation. He doesn't stop. <laughs> he carries on. Mm -hmm. and, and from water, they end up talking about um, spiritual things, moral things, right? But what is Jesus is doing? He's crossing the cultural barrier. So we need to go to places we wouldn't go. And engage with people we would not engage with. Okay. But we don't stop there. <laughs> so as I said, from water to a kind of a spiritual conversation, moral conversation. Yes. You don't, you don't have a husband. Actually, the man you live with now is not even your husband. Yeah. And then they talk about, oh, you Jews say, say that it's in Jerusalem, the right place to worship God. We believe it's here. Then Jesus says, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. When you receive this living water, the Holy Spirit, God is going to dwell in you. You don't need to go to temples anymore. You go, you're going to be the temple. Anyway, as he's having this conversation, the penny drops. Uh, do you have this expression in America? <laughs> yeah, when, when you come to the realization that, wow, hold on. This is not a beggar asking me for water. He is the Messiah we've been yeah. expecting. Bucky, what does it? What does she do? She runs back to the village. She leaves behind the jug of water, whatever. She forgot why why she went to the well, and she shares the gospel with her people. Sometimes we read that passage and we ignore this um, uh, the power of crossing barriers, the territorial barrier, the cultural barrier, the spiritual barrier. You engage with people you would not engage, but you engage in conversations that are going to change their lives. You even talk about, you talk about the good news, but also about the bad news. Yeah, morally yeah. speaking, there is something wrong with you, and I need to tell you, it's going to hurt. But diplomacy, diplomacy can keep that friendship, but can keep our friends from hell. So sometimes right. we will we will need to tell the truth. Yeah. Not to hurt people. We do it as doctors. Good doctors, right? Good doctors that would give the diagnose, not to hurt you, but to help you to see a reality right. so that you can desire the treatment. Brother, she goes back. She tells everyone in the village, Jesus arrives in this village and people beg him to stay there for two days does that answer your question we've got this strategy there <laughs> that's it relationships cross relationships. the barrier and build relationships that's and that's right. the context yeah. in which the, the gospel is going to come out um because that's what's real and true and should be natural to us 
as supernatural people, right? There may be so many different things about us, um, but especially if you can speak the same language as someone, you have everything you need already. You are equipped by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. And if you know the gospel, you can articulate it, not as a theologian necessarily, but you have a testimony if you know Jesus. And if you can do that, what what else do you need? But I love that part in the story where that you mentioned where she goes and she runs back and tells everyone, come meet this man who told me everything uh, I've ever done. And and he's the you know, he's the Messiah. And that that was that's very interesting culturally as well for a Samaritan woman to say that and to say it about a Jewish man. Uh, but that's a that's a whole other deep yes. conversation as well. But it yeah. is really remarkable and amazing because what we see there is a life changed like that just yeah. by that good news of who Jesus is. And we can do that. We can do yeah. that. That's yeah, it. it's through the through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We are just the tools. It's just, we are just the tools. So, yeah, even if you're not bold. Do something because God is going to, you know what? God loves to use whatever looks weak. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. likeliest of vessels. So mm. um, working working from that, how would you summarize maybe the, the kind of the story of your church for the last couple of years? If you okay. Could? Yeah. So we... As I said, we, we began meeting in my home from 2015 to 2018, building relationships. Brother, the number of people we met, huge number, a lot of relationships. Unfortunately, but this is something that is, is out of our hands. Unfortunately, not, not many of these people actually put their trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about hundreds of people. We were doing a lot of different things, running English classes, um, something called the International Cafe, where people would come to make friends, play games. We were doing a lot of things, a lot of connections, a lot of relationships being built, but no conversion at all. By God's grace, there was a family. We had a lot of Bible studies in my home. But in 2017, if I'm not wrong, a family decided to, to join us. Um, they then got baptized. Um, and we thought, well, maybe now is the time to launch this church publicly. <laughs> um, so that's what we did. We decided to hire a place in central London, um, not far from a famous church called the Metropolitan Tabernacle. That was the church led by Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. Okay? That area has changed. Okay, those hundreds of people who would go there on Sunday—they are not—they are not going anymore. Okay, it's—it's it's a dark place. London, as a, a in general, less than less than ten percent of the population would attend the church right now on a Sunday. Wow. Okay, and I keep telling people. Just by attending a Sunday gathering, just by what we some would go by going to this meeting to church, that doesn't make you a follower of right. Christ. Yeah. So the number is very small. Okay. Um, so yeah, we then launched publicly with two families. Ah, actually, there was a third family who came from the US from Florida, Tallahassee, to help us for four months when we launched publicly. So yeah, it was a group of six people. <laughs> um, yeah, we launched in September to 2018. In January, this couple from the US returned to, to, to America. And this family who was with us, they bought a, a, a house quite far away from, from, from where we were meeting as a church. So they all left us. Hmm. <laughs> so I had to, uh, oh, that was a hard time. So in January, 2019, it was again, just my wife and I, and my, my daughter at that time. 
but there was a family we had met in, uh, on the street that kept coming back and they kept coming back. So I never had reason to stop. <laughs> yeah. I never yeah. had reason to stop because it's what I keep telling um, church planters. If God is giving you the minimum you need, don't give up. Okay. Yeah. If if God is giving you the minimum to to pay your bills, can you pay your bills? Don't give up. Carry on. You don't know what God is doing. Do you have the do you have at least one disciple you could invest mm -hmm. on? Don't give up. You've got the minimum. Go on. I mean, you have nothing maybe, to maybe lose. Maybe it's a Timothy, you know. That's right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. But anyway, because we met this family doing outreach on the street and they kept coming back, I began doing that. I began going to the street, stopping people, sharing the gospel with them, and the church began to grow. Um, yeah. Um, and right now, I mean, it's a, yeah, we've been through a long journey because we want to be an intercultural church. I think we're never going to be satisfied because there is always a different culture that could be added. So but I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. You, you, yeah. the vision you have is, is a vision yeah. of the kingdom of heaven and what it yeah. looks like, you know, that, that revelation, <laughs> uh imagery that we see yes of, yeah. of worshipers so, from every nation tribe and tongue so i think i'm going to get satisfied in the new creation in heaven, yeah, yeah. Here. well maybe we're not meant to be we're not meant to be until then that's right yeah, yeah yeah and but this is good this is good yeah so this is the story um well funny uh, so we've got now a family from the u.s getting ready to move to london to take a kind of internship with us as well. Um, yeah, interesting, man. I've got, we've got a lot of connections with the U.S. somehow. The U.S. is a blessing to the world. You know that. <laughs> yeah. One thing that we get to do is partner with churches all over the world mm -hmm. who are mm -hmm. doing what you're doing. They are. They have mm -hmm. a missional mindset. They yeah. not only have the goal of reaching people with the gospel, but they are doing it, and they're doing it on an individual basis. Yeah. And collectively, um, because that's what it takes. You, how are we going to reach people if you're not praying for them by name, building a relationship? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Us, it's not going to happen. It's not mm -hmm. the pastor's job to do it. We, we do yeah. this together. And we do this together um, cross culturally, internationally, mm -hmm. because it's the joy mm -hmm. that we have and it's an opportunity that we have. And God is moving there and we're going to do that. You had the opportunity to go um, to a partnership that. I see was a yeah. part of Brazil. Tell, mm -hmm. tell me the, the story of that and what have you taken from that to what you're doing now? And maybe what, <laughs> what, what more has God revealed that we can learn? Yeah, yeah. So what happened was we moved from London back to, to, to Brazil, got involved in another church planting project. Somehow we heard about the international um, commission they, they were going to do something not in our state. It was in a different state. Somehow, I can't remember exactly how that happened. We managed to, to hire a coach and take a group from my state to Sao Paulo, Brazil, to join the International Commission there. But I went as an interpreter, okay? I was Now my job is just you. And here's a funny story, okay? I was very pragmatic, man very pragmatic i thought I, I really believe that you could somehow help god <laughs> hey i think we've all been in that in that spot yeah no but it was it was it, it was a game it was it, yeah it changed me this this trip it took a whole it took a whole week seven days morning to evening we would wake up seven in the morning go to bed we never it was a, a very unusual kind of Trip because although we had we had the arranged meetings, people were just spreading the word. So sometimes yeah. you would go to a home yeah. at six o'clock, and then they would say, "Oh, can you please come to my neighbor's house to share the same thing?" And you would never stop. You could you would doing that. You you would carry on doing that until midnight. I spend most of my time with a gentleman that I can't remember his name. I can't remember. But he was dry. 
he would go i would go to house different houses with him he would share his story boring boring man and as an interpreter i'm here shall i help him do, do i need to help him i i need to i need to it up, make so. it more engaging but no, I, I stick to the player as a translator as an interpreter you need to be faithful anyway he would share his story and then he would share the gospel people would put their trust in Jesus. I was like... Mm. Too easy, right? Much easy, but in a, oh, come on, we need Too to sad. help God. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, he would do the same and the same and the same, and people kept putting their trust in Jesus. Wow. I remember one day we went to this house he shared his story. He shared the gospel. I translated everything. One man in the house did not put his trust in Jesus. And I thought, yes, I knew this. Uh, this is not the way. <laughs> anyway, we went, we went back to the car. I realized that I had forgotten my Bible inside of the house. Bucky, when I got back to the house, the husband, the man who did not put his trust in Jesus, was on his knees wow. crying, wow. and I thought, "Oh, <laughs> wow." Anyway, when when I say he was boring, it was not that he was he was boring according to my concept. Right. Okay, he was just being faithful. He 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 knew that it is God who does the work. God is the one who saves. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. So I kept walking with him. And anyway, God was using him to teach me, oh, Alex, don't be, don't be so foolish. It's not you, it's me. And you see, you, you don't need to come up with anything that you think. Uh, we don't need manipulation, Alex. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, you don't need the sales techniques. Uh, you, don't, you don't need eloquence of speech, the power, just the, the power of the gospel, right? And partner with just God the himself. Gospel. Yes. So, good. so it was mind blowing. I came back different. I came back, yeah, a different person. I, I, I did not come back home bolder. Um, but yeah, but at least theologically speaking, I was a different person. Okay, to put like this, theologically speaking, I was a totally different person. I I knew I knew that God is the one who saves, and He can use whoever He wants to save, and He saves whoever He wants to save when He wants to save. That was a burden that was removed from my shoulders. Awesome. Wow, I don't need I don't need to. Yeah. yeah. So how did it that affect, how did that affect your ministry? You know, from from that time forward. Well, as I said, that burden has been lifted up. <laughs> uh, okay, so now now I do a lot of door knocking, street evangelism. I literally stop people on the street, brother. I don't get offended when people don't engage in conversations with me when people get angry that theology is still here it's not me if the person doesn't want to listen it has nothing to do with me that's right and really there's you know me. the reason we get upset or offended by or frustrated by things is because our expectations aren't met right yeah. in almost yeah. any situation that's that's the that's the reality if our expectations yeah. are I don't know if they're not if they're not realistic if they're not biblical then we get frustrated if our if our expectations are they're going to be yeah. good soil or you know hard soil then what what does it affect me if someone is yeah. not receptive they're not yeah. rejecting me right and there is a need yeah, there is something else there is something else there is an idol in our hearts as well right it's it's yeah, pride. That's no. I I you know what I mean. I want to see the results. Why? Why do you want to see the results? What is it? Because you want to go back and say, well, you see how God used me in a powerful. 
Come on. Yeah. The thing is, when we read Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus never promised, he promised something. I will be with you to the end. He doesn't promise results. <laughs> and actually, if you read that, wow. it's all imperatives. Go make disciples. You make disciples, but like me. Yeah. You go to places you don't want to go. Engage with people you wouldn't engage. Have conversations that you find it awkward. If if God does something, well, great. They become believers, baptize them, integrate them into a church mm -hmm. family. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded. When I'm on the street, I'm not worried about results. I'm worried about, am I being obedient? Yes, yes. So I know it, it, it won't make any difference to what I'm doing. God, you are the one who is going to save. It's a, if it's a red light, it's it has. I mean, of course, you need to be careful. If you are rude to people, uh, of course, the, the the light is going to be right. red. But if you're doing everything to make sure people are going to um, appreciate what you're doing, oh, it's a red light. Well, Mark four, right? There are different kinds yeah. of soil. That's right. God is the one who plows the soil anyway. The people's heart. It, 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 it's God who is going to prepare that. If it's a number light, well, just manage the expectations because you still don't know. And even a green light, Bucky, even a green light. Again, thinking about the four soils, a green light could be could be, uh, could be something that is growing, but yeah, it could eventually be rocky will die. And it'll dry. Yeah. 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 So I think the big the big thing is it's all about being obedient. Go do things without even expecting any result. Don't have expectations. I, I had a conversation with someone recently. He was like, I'm very skeptical about these kind of things. I'm... <laughs> Why? Because, because of results. Well, yeah. it would be better than staying at home doing nothing. Right? That is yeah. so right. That is so right. If, if we measure our success in evangelism by whether we do it or don't do it, then we have an accurate measure, not that's how right. many people got saved. Well, you know, that's not up to us. And like you said, I mean, all those green lights, we don't exactly still know what kind of soil they are. We don't. That's right. Uh, they yeah. need discipleship. Yeah. But that's the measure of success in evangelism. Do you do you do it or not? not. Yes. And the other, the other thing I thought of just now was, um, you uh, know, people like to criticize and I have done this. I still do this sometimes. I have to be honest. Yeah. A, a method of evangelism that someone, you know, will, will use. And especially to me, I I I I am not always a big fan of of someone who who has one like presentation or one method, one tool for sharing the gospel, and they always use that and they guarantee success if you do this. I I'm not I'm not really into yeah, that yeah. because I've seen God so, use so many different things, right? Yeah. Also, yeah. if it's not in the Bible, well, then it can't be the one tried and true method. Anyways, but <laughs> while I while I sit here and and criticize someone else's method of evangelism, mm. well, if they are out there using it, and I am not out there at all, I'm the one who who really <laughs> should be criticized, right? I'm the only one who has failed because I'm yeah. sitting here instead of being out there. Uh, telling people so and, and the thing is if you think about methodology um think about jonah and what what a rubbish methodology <laughs> going going to yeah to <laughs> a hostile true. place and there was not even good news in his message you it, you just and the whole i mean the one of the big ideas of that passage i mean one of the sad things is jonah's disobedience oh yeah yeah, and God's work despite it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's God, uh, Jonah's disobedience and his lack of compassion. No, I don't want you to do because I don't think they deserve it. So, when we refuse to be obedient, again, you need to search your heart again. What is it in your heart that makes you reject people? You reject what? Why? Why do you lack compassion? <laughs> Do you really believe that hell is real? Is real? <laughs> yeah. 
Do you really believe that only Jesus can save us, um, who can give us eternal life? It's only through him that we can have a proper relationship with him. If it is, why do you lack compassion? Because by by a, by not being obedient, well, there is something. It's all it's all here, brother, in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, if we if we if we avoid going and sharing the gospel with strangers because or or even friends, um, yeah, because we're afraid of them rejecting us. Have we already mm. rejected them? Man, that's an irony that that yeah. is convicting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You've told me some specific ways of of through obedience, through you know, discipling a, a community of believers who are who are, are reaching out to people. But kind of in general, how do you see God working in London, um, in the okay. United Kingdom, in Europe as a whole? Mm -hmm. Yeah, L London is 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 a great city, not because of its diversity or the number of the population, but Christianity is growing here, comparing to other places in the United Kingdom, yeah? Um, mainly because of the diaspora churches. Wow. Mainly because of the, yeah, Afro-Caribbean churches, African churches. So, yeah, the, we are growing here, and that's quite exciting, very exciting. So, besides planting a church, I also work for an organization. It's a new um, organization called the London Project. So we don't we don't do anything apart from catalyzing. We just want to connect, convene those connections, put leaders to get to know one another, and, and get and build relationships between them. Because if London is a huge mission field and very diverse, we need a diversity of leaders sitting down together to learn with one another. So I keep uh, when I meet leaders, I say, "Well, I know you have your tribe. I know you need it as your home. Just don't allow it to become your prison, because we won't be able to reach London for Christ through one kind of tribe. Yeah, <laughs> we need to learn with one another. We learn a lot when we are in connection. Okay, um, and and also so con connecting, convening those connections, and facilitating co-creation." We want to see more churches being planted. Not that we are going to plant, because there are a lot of organizations already in London, a lot of churches that could be doing that, but they but they need to <laughs> they need to be doing it. So um, so yeah, it, it's been exciting to be working part time for this organization because it's when I see there is a there is a little movement here. I I don't call it a revival because. Um, there is a kind of gospel renewal, like church really um, asking themselves, what is the gospel? <laughs> what is really yeah. the gospel? Especially when you come from diaspora churches, like, wow, I grew up thinking this was the gospel back home, and now you introduce me <laughs> something that I never heard before. For, for example, there are a lot of prosperity gospel churches that's all they heard all their lives yeah. and these guys when you sit down with them brother they they have no no um no desire to be <laughs> to be deceiving people they just they are just duplicating what they they learned when they yeah, were right. yeah back home passion doesn't the it? same thing yeah yeah the same thing for the the natives here, a lot of liberal churches, a lot of liberal churches, and then, yeah, yeah, and 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 you 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 introduce the gospel to this to this church, and they're like, wow, this is exciting. Well, yeah, this is this is the gospel. Yeah. Well, we never heard that because we never actually had um, good teaching here before. But yeah, there is a movement. We can see that people are very humble. In all regards, humble to be learning with others, to be, um, yeah, exploring different ways of doing ministry. Because, again, if you are part of a tribe, oh, this is the way we do things yeah. here. Mm -hmm. um, but but then you get to know someone who does things in a different way. Like, wow. Well, okay, I'll try this. 
it helps you to see your blind spots. Um, but not only that, because London is a global city, I was thinking about that today, the window 1040, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've got people from all those countries in London, okay? So I'm going to be creating a, I call it a table. I'm going, I've, I've met just in two weeks, but I met seven missionaries who came from different parts of the globe to London to reach out Muslims. And I was like, wow, this is not a coincidence. Man. Let, let me connect these guys so they can sit down together and create strategies together. So stop doing things on your own. We can do more together than we can do on our own. So let's sit down together. Okay, we've got this window that everybody keeps talking about, sending missionaries to these mm -hmm. places. It's hard. Yeah. And we all know that the people from this, those countries, they are here. Can we reach out um, to those people, equip them, and we send them back? Yes. Because they know the language, they know the culture, they can do mission on day one. That's if right. I go, it would take me 10 years. Okay, that's the reality. I'm in my 40s. It would take me years to learn the language. It would take me a long time to know how to navigate the culture. If they accept me, <laughs> if they yeah. accept me, it yeah. would take... But I can send someone, okay, I can send someone, a, a, someone trained, equipped, safe, back home. He or she will do a much better job. So do you see what I'm saying? There is something yeah. very unique. And I, I, when I meet leaders, I keep saying, please, we don't know how long we're going to have this freedom of religion here. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. we don't know. Because, um, yes, yeah, Satan, Satan works 24-7. From the, from the moment he realizes that we, are, we, are, we can see what God is doing here, he's going he's gonna to do what it takes to stop this. So let's make the most of it while we can. But even if persecution comes, that's that's it's been a, part of persecution church is a catalyst for kingdom yeah, growth too. It is. It flourishes. Well, we don't want to beg for it, right? We don't want to beg. Uh, uh, you got to take advantage of the freedom that you have yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's quite exciting what is happening in London, comparing to other places of the United Kingdom, and seeing these global connections as well. So this week I had a group. I still have a group of, um, so the, the organization I work is called City to City, but in London, we call the London Project. So we've got, uh, uh, we've got African leaders from city to city spending a week with us, having a kind of immersion. Last week, we had leaders from, uh, from Europe doing a kind of immersion as well, but all connected. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I love those global connections. I love it. I can I can pick the phone and say, well, I've got someone moving to Ghana today. Can you help me to find a church for this person? Can you carry on the discipleship? Can you equip this leader? Or it's just it's just great. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah. That is really exciting. That's that is awesome. Yeah. Some of the benefits of working with other Christians from different cultural yeah. backgrounds or like you said even other christian traditions yeah. um is that we learn from each other and when yeah. we when we focus on the gospel and when we are in cooperation if if, if it's only in that one thing of of the gospel and making making the gospel known yeah. that clarifies the simplicity and truth of the gospel to all of us and mm -hmm. it shows us that some of these other things that are not, you know, theological yeah. or cultural essentials mm -hmm. should not keep us apart when the, the mission of God is at stake. We can disagree on very... things, but when we can yeah. unify on that, it's it is mutually yeah. beneficial for for yeah. all of us. Um I, yeah. I really I really struggle with that idea in the past. I was very tribal. I was challenged once by Tim Keller, who said, if you're going to see this person you're meeting in heaven, if you know you're going to see this person in heaven, you can work with him or with, you can That's work good. with her. That's good. Because if That's Jesus, good. if Jesus said, 
you are part of my family. Who are you to say, I don't want this person. But now, Bucky, what I do is when I'm going to meet someone, I don't check the statement of faith anymore. I don't go to, to church website to find out, well, does this leader believe in this? No, I don't do that because anyone can produce a statement of faith. So I meet people. I, I spend time. Like, we've been here for one hour. I've got a lot of information about you that gives me the idea that, yeah, I'm going to spend eternity with him. Let's work together. I, I've got no doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, we can we can work together for sure. Um, but yeah, and we learn a lot. It's it, it humbles you. It does. And you think, wow, actually, yeah, theologically speaking, we are not on the same page. But wow, the way he does things, the way he the way he behaves. He really lives what he believes. Do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. I've, I've got people from my tribe that when they are on the stage, they say one thing. And when we are um, <laughs> uh, just just two of us, I'm like, man, what a contradiction. <laughs> yeah. So many times I have, I have met, uh, befriended, and worked with someone uh, who is a a dedicated Jesus follower and solid believer in, in the gospel that I have felt so much closer to and so much more alike than other American Christians that I'm around all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is really a strange, <laughs> a strange thing, but you know what? It makes me think about that. You know, it makes me, it makes me really reevaluate who is my tribe then? Wow. It's not Southern American Christians. It's not people in, in Texas. It's not, if I'm, you know, at a denominational yeah. church, it's not other Southern Baptists or other Methodists mm -hmm. or other Presbyterians because, mm -hmm. gosh, the people's beliefs and understandings can vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is those people who are focused on who Jesus is is and what the gospel is uh that we are closest to so yeah we yeah. think about that well, well who you know who is who is my tribe well jesus asked this right. question you know well who are who are my brothers uh yeah. well, who is a disciple yeah. of jesus christ well it's the yeah. people he described he set he set mm. the description and qualification for who those people that's are. right they yeah. Commands, yeah. and they love yeah. and they love like he loved so, gosh i'm <laughs> preaching i didn't mean to get carried yeah. away there but and let's not be naive, okay? I've got my theological convictions. But at the same time, I know I'm going to get into the new creation without my sinful nation. I'm like, ooh, I got that wrong. Some, oh, all a little, oh, yes. And correct, obviously, you know, biblical doctrine, correct teaching is very, very important because we don't want yeah, yeah, sure. to be led astray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't want some to be deceived and, and fall away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm we're not. all a little bit, we're all a little bit wrong about something, and uh, yeah, we'll know one day. Sure. But that's the one thing we can't get wrong is the gospel. That's we right. Yeah, the basics. Wrong. The foundation, the foundation, things that are very, very clear. Jesus is God. He's not an angel. He's not a, a super prophet. He is God. Yeah. Okay, why would God come from this divine being come to planet Earth, a broken place? Well, he came to fix it. Fix it. How did he do it? Well, by living a perfect life. I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Ah, was that the only reason? No. He also died on a cross. Ah, was he a criminal? No, he died because of us criminals. We, we rebelled against God. So he died a sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf so that whoever believes in him can live forever. Well, but what happened after his death? Well, he rose from the dead. That proves that he was not a liar or a lunatic. He is the Lord. He lives forever. So if we all agree with those basic beliefs, yeah, there are, there are things that, yeah, later on in, in the future, uh, especially uh, when we're thinking about scatology, I've got a lot of people in my church yeah. ask me a lot of those kind of questions. And I'm always like, well, be careful because you see the disciples, they spent years with Jesus. 
they saw him being crucified. They are now in front of him, the, the risen Lord. The first thing that comes to their mind is, is it now that you're going to reestablish <laughs> the kingdom of Israel? Right. And I can see Jesus like, oh, no, you have a task what? to do. No. What? But they are, you see, it's it's the wrong eschatology, the wrong idea that that's not, the, that's not what you need to be focusing on. <laughs> you're going to be my witnesses. Forget about this kingdom, I, this earthly yeah. kingdom. <laughs> What's it going to be like 10,000 years from now? You know, we'll find out. You're not going to be there unless you know Jesus. So let's 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 establish that first. You, you know what, Bucky? I'm, I'm taking a master's now. And I'm here. Oh, man. I mean, I'm not saying studying is not important, but oh, the things that I'm studying here right now, you see, oh, man, look, this checkup book I have. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it makes you identify with with Paul a little bit. Here I was, Saul yeah. of Tarsus. I had all the educate, all the theological education available to me in the world, and then I met Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then in Philippians chapter three, he says, "Oh, that's it's all, all rubbish. Yeah, rubbish. Yeah." <laughs> to put but, it but nicely, again, it's it's yeah. not it's not that I don't value it. It's just that sometimes I think, "Wow, wow," I mean. There are so much people who don't even know the basics that I'm, am I using my time? Anyway, I'm going through a kind of crisis right now, bro. <laughs> am I using sound, my time I mean, the correctly? Thing is, I mean, sound, that, but the, there's a reality too that, you know, you read, you read Paul talking about his, his background and that it's yeah. rubbish, but then you see him being used by the Lord to disciple yeah, yeah. and train and encourage and correct yeah. because yeah. he has... He has a firm understanding of who God is. That's he, important. And he used his knowledge and he managed yes. to articulate so well in a simple way that knowledge that, let's be honest, between Paul and Peter, he, I think his knowledge helped him to be a much better missionary. Yeah. You can't, you can't allow these big giants. It's what, I think it was a spirit who said, never preach to the giraffes. I mean, if you don't preach to those yeah, don't preach it to John Calvin. Don't preach. They, let let them be behind you, telling you things, and you digest that, and you communicate in a simple way. And Paul Paul had that ability. I think. I think he. Anyway, I'm. And he I'm had a good cultural. Here. He had a good cultural awareness, and that's the other thing. Yes. So I've heard. I I I sort of. I don't know if it's a full on crisis. I don't know if we call it crisis, but I yeah. but I do I do. Um, I, I I ponder the balance sometimes between yeah. you know as missionaries we want to contextualize the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Well, how yeah. far are we going to do that before we compromise it? Well, That's there right. is a balance yeah. here somewhere, and that and we yeah. see that, yeah. that Paul had a cultural awareness um, yeah. where he could uh, he could tailor uh, the mm. way he not the message but the way he presented yeah. it. Yeah, it's all about having having a, the right balance. You, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, how can oh. people uh, learn more about the London Project? So um, they could they could go to the website. It's called the London Project um, Yeah, I think that would be the easiest way. Some of the we do something called the City Lab. Um, we would invite a speaker to come. It's a kind of workshop. Um, some of this can be watched online. But we basically create those kind of things to just bring people together. We really, we are really a kind of catalytic movement. Whatever, sometimes we would create a training. It's not, it's not mainly to be equipping people because there are a lot of different kinds of organizations running training here. It's just a, as an excuse to bring people together mm -hmm. because you build friendships by doing things together, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah you could, you could maybe watch some of those city labs or get some of these trainings online as well but yeah the easiest way would be to go to the website the london project um dot co dot uk yeah great great well if you're watching or listening to this i hope you've been as encouraged as i have with this conversation i hope you've been emboldened uh, and encouraged to go and share the gospel so uh, you know the call you know the uh, truth of the gospel. If you don't, reach out to us uh, and let's talk about it. But if you know Jesus and you are confident in your conviction of the gospel, 
Uh, you are qualified. You are empowered by God if you have the Holy Spirit living in you to go and share the gospel. So go tell someone about Jesus today.